morning, Midtown Baptist Church and visitors. It is good to be among the people of God this morning. I am uh, excited about this series of topical sermons that we are preaching through. And as I have prepared this week for the blessed biblical truth known as justification, I don't recall having been blessed as much during a week of sermon preparation as I have been this week for a number of reasons. Obviously, the first reason is, is that this blessed truth that's known as justification is balm to the soul of Christians. It is one of the most overlooked and underused truths that we find anywhere in the Scripture. And as I have studied this week, the Lord has blessed. Often my sermon preparation, it should always be for you you uh, folks that, that don't do a lot of preaching, you should understand that our preparation truly should be worship, first and foremost, and then sermon preparation. But I found myself stopping and giving thanks and worship and praise and glory to God more than I have in a long time as I prepared a sermon. So I trust that God's Spirit will be present and that you will be blessed as I was blessed this week as we look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 as our starting point as our starting point. Please turn there with me. And as you turn there, let me welcome you to this gathering of Midtown Baptist Church. And it's always good to see my brothers and sisters. For my brothers and sisters that will be listening later this afternoon, we want to tell you that you are missed, that we love you very much, that we are in prayer for you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Stay well and stay healthy. Know that you're prayed for, and please, please, please pray for us. I want to thank you to each and every one of my brothers and sisters that reached out to me and let me know this week that you were praying for me as I prepared this sermon. That's very important. You should do that for whoever's preaching this week. Please, please, please pray for us, encourage us, reach out to us. My heart is full this morning. I'm excited about this topic that we're going to look at together. But brothers and sisters, I want you to know that on this Lord's Day, there are some of us who are suffering spiritually and emotionally. Some of us, when we are honest with ourselves, must confess that we are regularly tormented with anxiety and that we are experiencing incredibly little peace in our lives. Some of us find ourselves frequently beset with wavering confidence in the Lord's love for us and are ashamed to admit that sometimes we even wonder if He really does love us. There are others among us that lack the certainty of assurance. They lack the certainty of assurance that the Lord will never let us go, but will keep us to the end. And undoubtedly, there's some among us. Even having been saved by grace, still have little, if any, rest. But they continue to agonize under a load of guilt, constantly laboring and struggling, thinking that somehow they can earn the Father's favor. And they are fearful that when the Lord calls them home, they will find that they have not done enough. Beloved, these things ought not to be so, but they are. These things are the remnants of the condemnation that we were under before the Lord saved us. And they are suggestive of our incomplete knowledge 
and our lack of understanding of what the Lord Jesus actually accomplished for his people at the cross. I cannot give you a secret, and I cannot give you a shortcut to solve these issues, for there is not one. But what I can point to you to this morning is far, far better. There is within the Word of God, as I said earlier, an often overlooked and underused Bible truth that we must look to to experience peace, confidence, rest, and assurance. And that Bible truth is this. It is the justification by God of those in Christ Jesus. Look with me now at our text, our jumping off point for this topical sermon. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. Jesus our Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Jesus our Lord was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Will you pray with me? Our Father, please bless the reading and the preaching of your word under the glory of Christ and for the good of his people this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We will have met in vain if you're not pleased to do your work among us. Lord, please fill me with your power and control me as I try to preach this morning. Give your people ears to hear. Lord Jesus, please let this next half hour or so not be a dry presentation of Bible facts that just inform the intellect. Lord, I pray that you will cause your Holy Spirit to take this truth and impact us spiritually and emotionally. Lord, fill us with joy and change the way that we live. Fill us up with your Spirit. Fire us up with your Word. Use us up in your service. And then, Lord, take us up into your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus our Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Even a brief exposition of this verse in its context clearly indicates that Paul is communicating three things to us. He says that we were condemned because of our sin against God. But we have been made right with God, and it was the work of Jesus our Lord on the cross that made us acceptable to God. So at the outset, let me say that the purpose of this sermon, the purpose of this sermon this morning, is to plainly set forth the staggering scriptural truth of justification. The staggering scriptural truth of justification for all who are in Christ. The basis of their justification and to consider some of the blessings of justifications to Christians. Certainly not all by any means, but to consider some of those blessings. So we'll look at three things this morning. The problem the solution, and the basis of the solution. Number one, condemnation is the problem. The problem is condemnation. For those of us that have grown up in the Western culture, particularly in these God-blessed United States, for as long as we can remember, we have been exposed to the concept of innocent until proven guilty. We are accustomed in our society to the presumption of innocence. Thank God that our Constitution actually protects that reality. In the courts of our law, in this nation, we are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Not so 
in the court of God. Not so before the bar of God's justice. That is not so with regard to the standing of mankind in relation to God. We come into this world with a sin nature and the consequence of that is that we sin against a holy God. We are condemned. Condemned. That's a strong word. Condemnation is a strong word. Men and women and boys and girls who have rebelled against God because of their sin nature are condemned. It has universal application to us. The Bible says none is righteous. No, not one. The Bible says that we are by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that whoever does not believe in Jesus is condemned already. The Bible says that by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. We're not only condemned before a holy God, but there's nothing that we can do to help ourselves. Not anything. Nothing that we can do to help ourselves. And we inherited that sin nature from the first man that God created and placed on this earth, old Adam. The Bible says that one trespass, his trespass, led to the condemnation for all men. But even as I talk to you about the condemnation that we are under, I must finish that verse. Not only did one trespass lead to the condemnation for all men, but one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. So even in the scripture that we find that condemns us before a holy God, there is hope. There is hope. You see, in our natural condition, we are guilty and stand condemned before the infinitely good and holy God. God is a God of law. He, he revealed Himself. He revealed His nature to His chosen people in the Old Testament through His law. He is a God of law. And He is a righteous judge. Our God requires men to live in accordance with His law. But we are accused by the divine law of God and by our own conscience. We know, even at a very early age, from just the conscience that God has placed within every man, that we have fallen short. And we know God has, has innately given us this, know, this knowledge that each and every one of us will stand before God, before His bar of justice, and we will be tried by God, before God at His bar of justice. And we know inside of us, through the conscience that God has given every man, that sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. And not just in this life, but in the life to come as well. Therefore, we have no peace with God. We have very little, if any, peace with others as we go through this life. And very often we have even no peace within ourselves. And then to compound that, we know that a holy God cannot overlook sin, that
that it must be punished, that if the forgiveness of God does come, it can come only in a manner that is consistent with his nature and with his law. That's the problem. Condemnation is the problem. But praise God, there is a solution. There is a solution. The solution is justification. Now, I want to speak to you about justification this morning. I want to talk about where it fits in the grand plan of God for the redemption and the salvation of His people. I want to talk to you about what justification is not before I talk to you about what justification is. And then I want to speak to you about several different things about the nature of justification. So, by God's grace, let's do that. First, I want to talk about, as justification is the solution, the priority of justification in God's grand plan. If you will take your Bible and turn just a few pages to your right and look with me at Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, there are five terms, there are five words in these two verses that I want you to see. What I want you to see are these words, foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, and glorification. Now, if you look at this in the context in which it is given here in the broader biblical context, what we'll see is, is that in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, Paul, in these five words, gives us God's grand plan of redemption and salvation and deliverance for all of His people through all of the ages. Everyone that will ever spend an eternity with God and not be cast out from His presence finds the solution here. Now look, Verse 29 and 30 says, For those whom He foreknew, an intimate love relationship with us before the very foundation of the world. For those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called effectively. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Praise God. Those five words exist between eternity past, before there ever was a thing such as time, before God ever spoke this world into existence. They exist between eternity past and everlasting eternity that is in the future. Now I want you to notice, God foreknew His people. God predestined His people. God called His people. All of those things, my brother and sister in Christ, are past for us. In this lifetime, God called us, and we've experienced the riches of His grace in redemption and in reconciliation and in regeneration, and we are being sanctified, and I could go on and on and on about the forgiveness of God and the many things that He has done for us, but the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, summed it all up with one word, and that word is justification. He summed it up with one word. That word is justification. Out of all the words that were available to him in his vocabulary, the Holy Spirit inspired him to use the word justification. And our glorification is future tense. But we are living our lives in this age or under this umbrella of God's care that Paul refers to as justification. Justification is not regeneration. Justification is not redemption. Justification is not reconciliation. And justification is not forgiveness. It's related to those things, 
but it is distinct from those things. And it is the word that Paul used to use, that, that Paul selected to use, that describes our standing before God in which we receive all of those things from God. So I tell you this morning that justification is the axle of Bible truth upon which turn the wheels of all of the benefits of our salvation. Justification is the axle of Bible truth upon which turn the wheels of all the benefits of our salvation. If we get justification wrong, then we're off the rails. Justification is the axle upon which the wheels of all the benefits of our salvation turn. Now, I told you that it's not regeneration or redemption or reconciliation or forgiveness. There's so many things that it is not. But let me mention two more. Justification is not a good or a righteous person being declared just by God. There are no good and righteous people. And it is certainly not God relaxing the law or lowering the standards. So, what is justification? What is justification? Well, the words that Paul uses, particularly in the book of Romans, for justification and righteousness, both of those words, they come from the same root. When you see the word justification, think righteousness, and when you see righteousness, think justification. They're different, but they come from the same root, and they're related. And they're related in several manners, but the one that's important for what we're looking at this morning is this, is they both imply that judgment has taken place. There are legal terms, in a sense, and they imply that judgment has already taken place and the verdict has been rendered. Now, this relationship is important because in the Bible, a just person is a righteous person. Do you get that? A just person, one who is just, is a righteous person. In other words, he is one who has been judged by God to be acceptable. If you are acceptable to God, you have been judged so by Almighty God, and you are a just man or you are a just woman. The word justification is a legal term used by Paul to communicate that very idea. He's communicating to his readers in the first century A.D. the idea of a judge and a case being heard and a verdict being rendered and justice being done. A case being heard by a judge, a verdict being rendered, and justice being done. It is one of two words, justification is one of two words, that's used to indicate judicial decisions that have been made regarding the outcome of cases, cases that have already been judged. The other word is condemned. My friend, this morning you either stand justified or you stand condemned before a holy God. There are no other status. There is no other status. You're either condemned or you're justified. Justification, therefore, indicates that judgment has been rendered and the defendant has been found righteous or acceptable to God. So, for those of you that take notes, let me give you the best run that I can 
and good old country boy talk about what justification is. Justification is the act of God toward a guilty and condemned sinner in which God pronounces that He has judged them before His bar of justice in strict accordance with His law and judicially declares them to be righteous. That is to say that they are accepted before Him. They are right with God according to God. That's justification. Justification is the act of God toward a guilty and condemned sinner in which God Himself pronounces that He has judged them before His bar of justice, that He has judged them in strict accordance with His law, and has judicially and officially declared them to be righteous. That is to say that they are acceptable to Him. They are right with God. That is staggering. In light of what the Bible has to say about us in our natural condition, that is absolutely staggering. My brothers and sisters in Christ, do you understand that what justification is communicating to us is this, is that God's judgment has been given and we have obtained a favorable verdict. That God has judged us and we have not been found wanting. God has judged us and He does not condemn us. He accepts us. That's justification. I can't get my head around that. If the finest theologian in the world had come up with that and wrote it out in book form and brought it and handed me a signed copy, I wouldn't believe it if it were not right here in the Word of God. God has not condemned us. God has justified us. I've already told you that there are only two statuses in which we can exist before God, either condemned or justified. So let me reemphasize that being justified... Being justified is a status. It is our legal standing before God. Our legal standing before God has been changed from condemned to righteous. Now, it is by God's declaration. We are declared righteous. Now, this is where some folks have a tendency to go off the rails. Justification teaches that we are declared righteous it does not teach that we have been made righteous. It has to do with our standing before God. It has to do with our position before God. God has declared us to be righteous before Him. That is not to say that we are sinless. That is not to say that we do not struggle. That is not to say that we do not fall. That is not to say that we do not sin. All of those things are true. Simultaneously, those things are temporal. Those things are our experience on this earth in this life. Almighty God has judged us and declared us to be righteous and acceptable before Him. You see, it has everything to do with our legal standing before God. 
Justification has everything to do with our legal standing before God. It has very little to do with our character. It is motivation to sanctification, and it is motivation to holy living, but it is not sanctification, and it is not holy living. It is our status before God. We have been changed from condemned to justified. It comes by God's grace alone. Even though justification is a legal term, it does not come to us on any legal principle, which is another way of saying that God owes us nothing. God doesn't owe us justification. There is no legal principle, there is no legal precedent for God to declare the condemned righteous, for God to declare the guilty justified. It is purely an act of God's grace. And surely the least among us here know that God's grace is unmerited favor. Oh, but it's so much more than that. Our justification comes by God's grace alone. You see, God is the initiator of justification. God is the instrument through whom justification comes. God is even the object of justification in that it is God alone who is satisfied. God has satisfied Himself, righteously so, and He is righteous in declaring us just. So justification comes by God's grace alone. And it comes to us through faith alone. Justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, and it comes through the faith alone that God even gives us that. The faith by which we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, hence justification, is not something that's resident within us that is awakened. No, it is the gift of God. The Bible tells us that the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So, I can tell you on the authority of God's Word this morning, I don't have any brothers and sisters that are waiting around for justification. All of my brothers and sisters in Christ are justified before God. If you have faith in Christ, that's evidence of your justification. Here's another staggering thought. In God's eyes, in God's economy, in my legal standing before God, I will never be more just. I will never be more righteous. I will never be more blameless or more holy than I am at this very moment before God. That woman sitting on the back row back there, the pretty girl with the brunette hair, yesterday been married to me for 33 years. That got to blow her mind right there. I'm never going to be in better standing with Almighty God than I am today. Sure doesn't mean I'm a perfect husband. Sure doesn't mean that I'm a perfect shepherd. Doesn't mean I'm a perfect employee. No, I'm imperfect in all those ways. But in God's eyes, my legal standing before Him, I am a just man. Paul tells us that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We don't deserve it and we don't earn it. Justification is by God's grace alone, through faith alone. Now I also want you to understand this about the nature of justification. It is not a process. Justification is not a process. It is immediate. 
at the moment that God bestows justification upon us, you get all the justification that you're ever going to get. Out of all the things that I need to go home and get down on my knees beside my bed tonight and pray for, more justification is not one of them. I'm as justified as I'm ever going to be. It is immediate. It is not a process. You get it all when God confers it to us. And it's complete. Justification does not come to us incomplete. There are no degrees of justification. Your pastors aren't more justified than you are, brothers and sisters. You're not more justified than your Christian friends and your Christian neighbors. There are no degrees of justification. It is by God's grace through faith, and justification is total and it is complete. It is the declaration of God that He has judged us and found us acceptable to Himself. Now, by virtue of the fact that this justification is a pronouncement or a declaration by Almighty God, it is inherently effective. It is effective. You understand that the Word of God is always effective, right, brothers and sisters? God's Word is always effective. His Word does not return to Him void. How is it that He created everything that there is? He spoke it into existence. Our Jewish friends, particularly the Old Testament version of our Jewish friends, had it right. They understood that the Word of God has power. That when God speaks, things happen. And when God declares something to be so, it is. It matters not what I think or even whether I believe it. When God speaks it, His Word is effective and effectual and it comes to pass. His Word does not return to Him void. Having declared His people just, They are just. It comes by God's grace alone, through faith alone. It is immediate, it is complete, and is effective. And praise God, it is everlasting. It is everlasting. You need not worry about losing justification. Paul uses words as he speaks of justification that clearly indicate, they clearly and unambiguously and with a doubt indicate that what God has done in the justification of sinners is a once-for-all act in the life of that sinner and has abiding effect into everlasting eternity. That's worth repeating. Paul uses words that clearly indicate that when God justifies a sinner, it is a once-for-all act performed by God that has abiding effect into everlasting eternity. It is irreversible. The sinner is cleared at the bar of God's justice and declared to be innocent, blameless, spotless, and guiltless in standing before God, and everlastingly so. Staggering. Staggering. What a blessing. What a blessing. Undoubtedly, it's gone through someone's mind this morning. Some will ask, how do you reconcile that with some other scriptures, brother? Scriptures like Proverbs 17, 15 and others like it. Oh, you mean like the three times in the Old Testament that we read, the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. That's in there. Exodus, Numbers, and Nahum. Maybe in other places. I found three of them. 
I think it has even more bearing here in Proverbs 17, 15. We see a lot of injustice in this world. It's at the forefront of our attention right now. It's always been that way, and it will always be that way until the Lord Jesus comes back. There is no political answer to injustice. There is no secular answer to injustice. The only answer to injustice is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He and he alone has torn down the wall of partition between all of us, and he and he alone is the righteous judge. There's not much that God hates in the Bible more than pride and judges who abuse their authority and are unrighteous. Listen to what God says. Remember, he is the judge. In Proverbs 17, he said, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination unto the Lord. Those that justify the wicked and condemn the righteous are an abomination to the Lord. So it is a legitimate question if you're asking it. How can God justify sinners like me and remain just? Well, Paul answers that for us in Romans chapter 3. He says that it was by the blood of the Lord Jesus that God showed His righteousness so that He, He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. My friend, the answer to the question of how does God remain just and justify sinners like me and you is the blood of Jesus Christ. So, that takes us to our third point, and that is this. The cross. The cross is the basis of justification. At the cross, we find the blessed Bible truths of substitution and imputation. We shall not dwell on those long, but we know this from that, that the infinitely holy and just God remains just while justifying sinners because of the substitutionary death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our sin was imputed to Him and our sin was punished in Him on the cross. It pleased God the Father to crush Him in our place as our substitute and as our sacrifice. The prophet Isaiah tells us that He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. It was the will of the Lord to crush Him and make Him an offering for our guilt. And the Apostle Paul, in one of the most powerful verses that are to be found anywhere in Scripture, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, tells us this, For our sake, people of God, for our sake, He, God the Father, made Him, Jesus Christ our Lord, for our sake He made Him to be sin. Brother Greg, you telling me that God the Father made the Lord Jesus Christ to be sin? No, I would not be so bold. That's the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. For what purpose? So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you hear that? For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 
There it is, brother. There it is, sister. Jesus Christ lived for us. He died for us. He was raised for us. He bore our sins in order to be the victor over them so that we might become the righteousness of God. Praise God. Praise God. Our sin was imputed to the precious Lord Jesus. And upon the cross, He satisfied. He satisfied once for all forever God's wrath and God's justice against the sins that once were ours but were imputed to our Lord Jesus and were punished there to the satisfaction of God. In order that God would be justified in imputing unto us the righteousness of His perfect Son and declaring us just and righteous. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me. Bless His holy name. There, my brother and sister in Christ, is peace. There is confidence. There is assurance. There is rest for weary souls. There is rest for weary souls. To summarize, the Bible tells us that we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are justified in Christ alone, my brothers, by grace alone, my sisters, that is mediated to us through faith that God gives us. There is peace. There is peace. In our justification. Paul said, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a direct result of the blood of Christ in our justification. There is confidence. There is confidence as we think upon and meditate upon the scriptural truth of justification. Paul told the Romans in chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And there is assurance. There is assurance when we look at justification, that blessed Bible truth. <clears throat> Paul wrote, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. There is assurance brother and sister, and look to justification. Those who may still be struggling in futility, struggling in futility to earn God's favor. Here's a simple verse, but it's powerful. The youngest of the young here can understand it today. Paul said that Christ is the end the E-N-D. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. When you get to the end of the road, you can't go any farther. When you get to the end of the track, the train don't go. When you get to the end of the game, it's all over. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Brothers and sisters, a proper understanding of the scriptural truth of justification is a significant key 
to unlocking the shackles and chains that so many of us are beset with. An awareness of the Bible truth of justification is foundational to enjoying the freedom and the rest that Christ has provided for his people. Justification, that glorious scriptural truth, is worthy of much study and prayer and meditation. And I encourage you to do just that. Pick up your Bible. Read it for yourself. Pray over it. And ask the Lord to give you insight and understanding. And that His Holy Spirit will use His Word to give you peace and confidence and assurance and motivate you to live your life for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father, we are grateful and thankful that through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through His substitutionary and sacrificial death upon the cross, Your imputation of our sins to Him and His righteousness to us, that You are a just, holy, and righteous God in declaring the people of the Lord Jesus Christ righteous, just, and acceptable to You. Father, I pray that this Bible truth would not just be added to the things that we intellectually know, but that your Spirit would take this truth and burn it on our hearts. Father, I pray that you would move it from our head to our heart. Father, God, help the one who hears this this morning and does not have an emotional response of gratitude and thanks and praise and worship when we recognize and realize that we were sinners condemned to hell and justly so but that you would not leave us in that condition, but that you foreknew us and set your love upon us before the very foundation of the world, that you predestined us to be your children, to be acceptable to you, and that at the right time you sent a gospel preacher who preached the word and your spirit took that word and called us effectively and gave us the new birth. And Father, you justified us. You have declared us righteous and acceptable to you. May we lead our lives in a way that is befitting to the sons and the daughters of God that are acceptable to the only one true living God. And Father, thank you for the Bible truth that one day, one day soon, we will be with our Lord where he is. It must be so, Father, for he prayed it. It will come to pass. Father, impress on us that one day very soon we will be with our Lord that we will see him as he is and that we will behold his glory and we will bask in the light of his love for age upon age upon age into eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.